0: All right, you can find your way back to your seats. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2. It is printed for you in the bulletin as well. We are closing out with just a few thoughts this morning. Um, a series that we've been doing, I actually added this somewhat last minute a couple of weeks ago. We've been doing a series called Looking for a King. We looked at the desire that the Bible tells us about that Israel, God's people, had for a sovereign, for a king over them. We looked at Saul, the first king. We looked at David, the second faithful king. We looked at Solomon, the wise king. And we looked last week at Jesus, the king who is forever. He is the king that we're looking for. And today, on Christmas Day, it seemed fitting that we would go to the kings who first give tribute to the king of kings. Because that's what we find here in this story of the magi who come from afar and they bring tribute to the king. This is the first really act of worship uh, to Jesus that involves people of notoriety. And they come and they give worship to the king of kings. So we're going to read the first 12 verses, well-known passage, Matthew chapter 2. Let's read this together. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. Gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder if you've had the feeling, however brief, and it almost always is extremely brief, but this feeling, my expectations have been met. It's always brief, isn't it? So rare. But for a moment, perhaps you think, I was looking for something, and I found it. When I was on my sabbatical almost two years ago, now a year and a half ago, um, I read my favorite book of all time. I've read a lot of books, and I love books, and a lot of books have become part of my you know, life and have been very influential to me in this kind of thing. But I read my favorite book. It took all the way to 2021 for me to find it. And if you want to know what it is, it's The Intellectual Life by Father A.G. Surtillange, a French 19th century Catholic priest. And I picked that book up, which is not normally my reading pleasure, by the way. Um, and I've read other good books, but this one, it was like a soul connection. It was like something was out there, written, that I didn't know about. And then I read it, and my soul said, I've been looking for this, and I found it. I didn't even know I was looking for it, and I found it. I've had similar experiences with some of my other favorite authors, like Wendell Berry and Marilyn Robinson I remember the first time that I heard the classic album Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys, and that was 15 years before I was born that was released, but I heard that album, and I thought, I didn't know that there was a Pet Sounds hole in my life until this moment. My parents listened to it, of course, and uh, I probably, for that reason, would have just ignored it for a long time, but I found it on my own, right? And, and it it was a moment where I realized, maybe a little season where it was just on repeat. I didn't know I was looking for this, but my expectations have been met. I remember meeting my, first, my best friend, Josh, in the ninth grade. He turned around in drama class and introduced himself, and we hung out after school. And I didn't know that I needed a friend like him. But something about us hanging out together made it fe- seem like this is what I've been looking for, and we are still best friends today. I talked to him last week. How many times have I looked at my wife, and I've said, we were made for each other. This is, this is good. This is who my soul loves. It's not every day, right? None of these things are every day. They're, they're very infrequent, but But you know the feeling that I didn't even know I had that expectation, or maybe you did. But in the end, an expectation is met. And your soul says, I was looking for this, and I found it. Maybe I couldn't even describe what I was looking for, but I knew it when I saw it. And what your soul actually is saying is worthy. This is worthy of my attention. This is worthy of my desire. This is worthy of my love. And even though that experience is infrequent, the longing for it persists. Each one of us has a built-in desire for some expectation that we're always hoping is met in some kind of way. What Christmas is really about is us gathering together on the day that Jesus was born and celebrating the fact that He has come into the world, this newborn King. And it's to train our hearts to say, this Christ is the one that I've been looking for. He is worthy. My soul's expectations, the longing that has been built in me that maybe I don't even know what the source is, is, is found in Jesus Christ. And again, we don't feel that way all the time about Jesus. We don't feel that way even every single week. And that's okay as well. But worship, and especially worship on Christmas Day, should be a return to the worth of Jesus Christ. And to see that He is the one who has met every longing of the human heart Every expectation. In fact, it's what we call worship. The English word "worship" originally is from the, the the word "worth." Worthship. We're giving worth to something. We're at. We're recognizing the value of something when we worship. And that's because worship highlights exactly what the soul desires. And what we say today as our souls desire, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the newborn King, is worthy. Worthy of what? Two things this morning briefly we'll look at. He's worthy of our seeking and of our sacrifice. He's worthy of our seeking and our sacrifice. Let's look at those two things. As the kings of the earth are standing in relation to the King of kings. You see how many kings are in this passage? We have Herod, the king, and we also have the three magi or the three kings. Now, first of all, I know what you're th- some of you are saying in your heart, in your minds. We're not told that there were three of them, right? Uh, that's become common tri- Christian trivia to say, I oh, we don't know if there were three magi. There were just three gifts. Fair enough. Uh, we actually don't know. They aren't called kings here. They're called magi. from magi, Magus, the Greek word. It could be where we get our word magic from. They are wise men, we call them. And yet, they have traditionally been understood as kings. And certainly, they have no trouble coming into King Herod's court to talk to him as fellow sovereigns. So, No, we don't know that there's three of them, and we don't know that they were called exactly kings, but there is a strong tradition that identifies the three magi as the three kings. We three kings, and I like tradition, so we're going to call them the three kings today. There's three kings, and then there is Herod. Now, interestingly, right off the bat, there's an idea of the king here that is ironic because Herod is called king here and so he is king Herod Herod the king heard this verse 3 and yet what we know about Herod is that Herod is a puppet king. He is not a true king of Israel. He's is part of a dynasty that's been put on the throne by Rome. He is a king in Israel, but he is has His authority is not with the Lord himself. It's not a direct line. It is to Rome. And so we have Herod, the puppet king. He is one of the six Herods in the Bible. It gets very confusing if you just read about Herod this and Herod that. This is Herod the Great. This is the one who was appointed by Rome and is a ruthless leader as we come to find out. Herod the Great killed his own wife killed several of his sons, killed rivals often. Why then was he called great? He was called great because he was a great builder in Israel. He built the second temple. He built lots of things in Israel. A lot of the infrastructure from the second temple period, if you go to Israel, it was built by Herod the Great. And so he is someone who is thought of himself as great, and who was thought by the people as great, and someone who was called king, but here he is the foil to the kings who come and worship the king of kings. He is the false king. He has false seeking and false sacrifice where the magi have true seeking and true sacrifice. Let's look first at their seeking, the two different kinds of seeking. These magi come seeking Jesus. Verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They come looking for Jesus. Now what are they looking at? What are their sources of information? They have Two sources that lead them to Jesus. The first is creation, and the second is the Scriptures. So the first is creation. The Magi were told see a star. Now, this is irregular and perhaps has something to do with their, magi, their magic that they discern the heavens. I don't know where consulting the stars comes, interacts with the Christian faith, but I do know that God led them By a star, and they see in the movement of the worlds around them an insight into the kingdom of God in this world. But their knowledge is not specific enough. They know something has happened, they have questions still. So they come to Herod's court, and Herod has to search out the Scriptures with his scribes. And this is what they tell them in verse 5. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, this is where this Christ was to be born, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod calls the chief priests and the scribes together, and they look at Micah, the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Of course, they didn't have chapters and verses. Then they study the book of Micah, and this tells them where this Christ is to be born in Bethlehem. And so they have two sources of information. They have creation, and they have the Scriptures. We have theological terms for these things We call this general revelation and special revelation. There is a general revelation, meaning the created world, the created order, logic, and beauty, and the heavens, and any number of things that you can look at, give witness to God. They all bear witness to the Creator. It is right for us to look around and say, this cosmos needs a king. And we need to find Him. We need to find out who He is. Because surely, all this couldn't have happened. I mean, look at the blade of grass to the, the most distant galaxy that we can see. The order of complexity is too much. There must be a king over this. It is right for us to look for a king in creation. But it is not specific enough. It doesn't tell you everything you need to know, which is why the wise men come and they ask for the source information from the scriptures. And when you find what the scriptures say, you find everything you need for life and godliness because you find Jesus Christ. You see, God did create everything, but he is not detached from his creation. Within his created order, he gave us a story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It has a hero. It has a narrative arc. It has a beauty. And we have to find not just the God of the universe and the King of creation, but the King that is promised in the Scriptures. And so they come seeking the true King. They have true seeking, but Herod has false seeking. Not all seeking is honest. This king of the earth, this puppet king, this is what he says in verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Israel with him. And then he seeks out the Scriptures, and he finds out, but he has more seeking to do. He asks in verse 7, he summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Herod is also seeking. He wants to know what information the Magi can give him, not just what he can give to the Magi. But his seeking comes from a place of trouble and challenge. He wants to know, as the story unfolds, we see, he wants to know when the star appeared so he can know how old this threat of a child is. And he tells his lie in verse 8. He sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. He gives his lie that he wants to worship this king like they do. But we know how the story goes. He is not seeking him out. So that he can worship him. He is seeking so he can control him, kill him. He seeks to kill, not to worship. There's true seeking and there's false seeking. Secondly, we see their sacrifice. Because for the wise men, Jesus is worthy of sacrifice. They give true sacrifice, and Herod gives a false sacrifice. The story goes that the wise men find the child. This is up to two years later after the birth of Jesus. I think it's good for us to bring them into the, uh, to the creche, to the manger scene. It's, it, that's fine. Um, the tradition is good. This is all in the time when the Lord brought this amazing thing to happen on the earth. But this is probably up to two years later. They find this boy, this two-year-old, and they are overjoyed. Then they sacrifice to him. First they give the sacrifice of their worship, and then they give the sacrifice of their costly gifts. Look at verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The first thing they give is their worship. That's not without cost, by the way. These are kings of the earth. These are important men, at the very least, very sage and respected. And they lay down before a baby. Then they give of their treasures. I love the phrase, opening their treasures. Isn't that beautiful? They just opened them up to give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, sacrificing of their riches to this king. There is a story after this that shows us the false sacrifice of Herod. Herod also says that he wants to worship. Presumably, he also told them that he wanted to bring tribute to this king, but it's not a real sacrifice. In fact, the irony is, is that he will sacrifice others for himself. The next story is the slaughter of the innocents. Herod orders all of the male children in the region two years old and younger, to be killed. So one king of this earth is not willing to sacrifice himself, but is willing to sacrifice others for himself. There is true seeking and there is false seeking. There is true sacrifice and there is false sacrifice to the king. Today on Christmas, we are bringing ourselves Putting ourselves into this story, the scriptures tell us that though we don't have necessarily have titles, we all are kings and queens of the earth. Psalm eight: You've made us a little lower than the angels, crowned us with glory and honor. Human beings are God's co-laborers in creation. We are His co-heirs in Christ. We are the kings and the queens of this earth, though there are different stations, and we certainly have kings and rulers, all the way down to the lowest rung of the human ladder, we might say, is still dignified with God's crown of creation. And so as we come to the Christ child this morning, it requires us to ask, are we coming with true seeking? And true sacrifice to lay down our crowns, this Jesus, the worthy King. What we need to see about Jesus today is that he is worthy. He is worthy of your seeking, and he is worthy of your sacrifice. He's worthy of your seeking. Jesus, I believe, is still worth finding. Perhaps for the first time, if you are here today and you've been a seeker, you've been wondering what is true. Perhaps you've looked around at the world, the created order, you've seen something that you can't deny, a something of that the, this order must have a sovereign. What I would challenge you to do is to search the scriptures next. The wise men saw the star, but they had to come to the source to know who Jesus is. And I would say to anyone who is a seeker, don't just look around you at what you can see to be true. Look at what the Scriptures tell us. Yes, that takes faith. Yes, there has to be a laying down of, of, of yourself and your own perspective to come to a book and say, this is where true, truth is found. I understand that. What I would say is it's worth doing that. It's worth laying down whatever dignity, whatever perspectives you have in order to find this king who was born in a specific place, who was born to specific parents, who lived a specific life, who taught a specific message of the kingdom, who died a specific death and has been raised from that death and now lives and reigns with, with God forever. That's the story we trust in, not just in a being that's out there that has brought order, but rather to a being who has brought order and also a story. And it culminates in His Son, Jesus Christ, coming into this world, living, dying, and being raised from the dead. That's the source of truth. It's still worth finding. Perhaps you can join The many of us who have found Jesus and in different ways and with different levels of drama and experience have still said, I was looking for something and I found it. And it's Jesus. It's Him alone. He is the answer. For those of us who have trusted that, we don't stop our seeking now. Today is about us going deeper into who Christ is. We are not through seeking until Christ is all in all. Until Christ is Lord over our work and our families and our hobbies, whatever it is that we do with our time, until Christ is all in all, we still seek the King. Jesus is worthy of your seeking. He is worthy of your sacrifice. He's worthy of your tribute. And I want to ask you a challenging question as we uh, close today and as we think about this upcoming new year. Here's the question This year, what might it cost me to worship Jesus more? What might it cost me to worship Jesus more? What can I give to him in tribute, in worshipful tribute? This is not a manipulation. This is about worship. For some, our wealth and possessions have weighed down our hearts. It's just true. Maybe especially true this morning as we celebrate these things. What would it mean to give away some of it to the kingdom? For others, we have prioritized our social capital too much. And we are embarrassed of our faith. We are we hide our true heart's love. Jesus, perhaps it's time for us to worship Christ with our words and our witness. Some of us have been cherishing sin and saying, This is what I need to meet my expectations. And to worship Christ, we might need to walk away from a practice or a relationship or a commitment. What might it cost to worship the King? I want us to know this He is worthy of it, whatever it is, whatever it costs. These wise kings of the earth follow a star in hope of finding an expectation that's been created in them. What they find is a deep story embedded in the Scriptures that they have been outside of and now they can be let in and they give away what are their treasures to worship this King. Christmas really is about us loosening the grip that we have on other areas of satisfaction. Where other places where we've said, this is where my expectations can be met. It's about saying, is that true? (laughs) Or am I still seeking something more? What am I seeking? And what am I sacrificing towards? Christ is the only one worthy of that. And if you put your seeking and your sacrifice toward him, it will not be misplaced. Let's pray. We honor and praise you, King of all the earth, King of kings and Lord of lords. And with whatever kingdom you've given us, the kingdom of our work and our families and our neighborhoods, whatever level of sovereignty you've given, I pray, Father, that we would lay it at your feet, that we would come and worship you as the king of those things and more beyond, the king of all the earth. I pray that you would help us to know what we should do to give you the worth and the praise that you deserve father we feel feeble to that for that we feel as though we need to be re we need to reimagine and relive what it is that you have done for us i pray that you would do that in our hearts today help us to exalt you to honor the name of Christ and to put it above every other name. And it's in that strong name that we pray. Amen.